On the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and today with me on the line is Professor Wilson. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here as usual. Yeah, I am too. And today, uh, Woody, you and I are going to be hosting a very special guest, which I will call in just a few minutes, and that is Dr. Ron Paul. Uh, For some of you who may not know, uh, he has written a book, The School Revolution, A New Answer to Our Broken Education System. And um, both Professor Wilson and I have read the book, and we're excited um, to be able to question him. So before I do call uh, him on the line, I am going to break for a commercial from our sponsor, uh, which is Media Angels, and um, talking about the American government class. So let's play that. The American government and elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class recorded with a live audience taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson. This class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link. Or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Well, we're happy to be here with Professor Wilson, who also uh, is the presenter on our weekly current issues in the Constitution show, and I keep wanting to call it a class, Woody, because uh, yeah. we host well, it is in a way. It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, we we host weekly, and I am the moderator. Take questions from the audience as well as uh, being able to uh, listen to all of the amazing information that Woody imparts every week. Uh, Woody, you've been um, a history professor for many years, and so you obviously have a good grasp of um, American history and government. But we are going to have to hold on the line because I am going to make a call now and see if we can bring in uh, Dr. Ron Paul, our special guest today. So hold on just a minute. All right. Hello, Dr. Paul, are you on the line? 
I'm on the line. Well, great. Thank you for joining us on the Current Issues in the Constitution show with Professor Wilson, who is also on the line, and I'd like to introduce to you now. Uh, thank you, Hello, Felice. Uh, Dr. Paul, I yeah. first want to say that it's a rare privilege to spend time with a gentleman of your stature, especially a man who has devoted so much of his life to our country and continues to do so. Thank you for your continuing service and for spending some of your valuable time with us today. Welcome to our show. Wonderful. It's nice to be with you. Well, good. Well, today we're going to discuss homeschooling in the light of your book, Dr. Paul, The School Revolution, A New Answer for Our Broken Education System. And both Professor Wilson and I have read the book, and we're very interested in several key aspects that you bring up. And, Dr. Paul, I have to say as a longtime homeschool parent and previous public school educator that you are preaching to the choir in your book because I obviously feel that homeschooling is the best option for my family. I've homeschooled since 1986, K-12, through so I'm one of those, and it's refreshing to hear your kind words about homeschooling. We were trying to build the choir a little bit bigger. That's what we'd like. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And and hopefully some people listening today are uh, not homeschoolers and and considering it. And so uh, for those of you listening, I highly recommend your book, uh, you know, to the audience. And and, uh, also want to uh, discuss your, um, you know, option now that is going to be available, and that is the ronpaulcurriculum.com. So that's the link for uh, those of you listening in the chat room. We've posted that link, and there is a handout for those of you listening in the archives. Uh, just go to current issues in the constitution.com to get that. But first, um, let's get some clarification. You know, why um, are you thinking that homeschooling is the answer? And also, you're looking at the top 20%. And, you know, so that's where I want to start. Um, you know, you're not looking at the greater share of the population and, you know, just wanted to know why you decided on that figure and, um, you know, if we could just start there. Yes. And a lot of people challenge me on that. Some people don't quite understand it. But, you know, what's wonderful about homeschooling is uh, it's an area where there is competition out there. And uh, you were into homeschooling early on, and I was very much aware of what was happening in the early 80s on some of these legal fights that uh, you and others were going through. Mm-hmm. And yet today there's still a lot of options and there's programs out there. Some, uh, you know, have a Catholic uh, viewpoint and some have an evangelical viewpoint and there's all all different viewpoints. Mine is mainly designed to promote what I've been talking about for, you know, 30 years or so, and that is to promote a system that allows this type of freedom of choice and, and trying to keep our government uh, off our backs on the things that we want. Want to do so I'm looking for leadership in the freedom movement so it's not like we want to exclude people we want to encourage people and anybody who's anxious who wants to pursue this because one can become a leader it's not like oh there's there's a hundred people out there and we're going to sort it out and we know the 20 who who are going to be the leaders no it's going to be those people who have that in incentive and I think I think that is the the important thing and besides you know uh, um, even in the beginning of my book, The School Revolution, I point out that uh, 
I actually uh, spent a lot of years in government schools, uh, and uh, and my kids have, and I don't want to seem like, well, the answer to our problems in the school right now is to close them all down tomorrow. That's not my position, uh, although there are some that certainly deserve that. But uh, So my, my goal is to teach the freedom philosophy and not a narrow viewpoint, either from a religious viewpoint uh, or anything else where people will have a choice on whether they want to pick and choose and work their way and want to go to college or start a business or, uh, you, you know, uh, have have different choices there. Uh, but it's mainly one of the major goals is uh, to get people to uh, understand what liberty is, be able to define it, and then actually spread that message and defend it. And we all should be brought together under that umbrella. And this has been my argument in all my speeches to the young people, especially that if you understand the freedom movement and what liberty is about, you bring people together. So in many ways, let's take, for example, homeschooling. There might be 10 different varieties of homeschooling. But we all should be together, whether we come at it from, say, a liberal environmentalist viewpoint or a conservative viewpoint, we should all come together and say, yes, we want the right to do this and the responsibility should fall on the individual and the parents to educate the children. Mm. Okay. Yes, I, I, ahead, think, I think you've really hit the nail on the head. Uh, having taught in the public schools, government schools, for 37 years, uh, you're mm. absolutely right. Um, the system is broken. It is completely broken. And um, I think what you offer uh, in your book and other venues uh, certainly is a, a resurrection or resuscitation of what was once a darn good educational system. Uh, let me change the subject just a little bit. You, know, you uh, do an excellent job in your book of, of establishing your rationale uh, for your curriculum. You make a convincing case for benefits to homeschool education and and even in uh, changes into the public schools. And I really like your emphasis on those four things, research, analysis, writing, and public speaking. I did that for years, and it works. But I'd like to, if it could, if you don't mind, if you could get into some of the nuts and bolts um, of the curriculum itself. That is, could you describe some significant uh, specific examples of the kind of work well, that the student will be doing on a daily basis in pursuit of those four standards, just some well, examples. It, it, may, it may vary a little bit from teacher to teacher. We are going to have uh, teachers that are going to be very active, and one unique aspect of this will be that uh, there will be a lot of videos. Each teacher is expected to do uh, 180 videos per course, uh, mm -hmm. which means the students go there and listen to that, and this is uh, rather unique, and then there's a lot of uh, exchange and uh, with uh, interaction with the students themselves so they can do uh, you know express themselves and discuss things but also as this as the student gets older it's it's a lot of self-discipline and self-learning too it, it's not like uh, you have to be an expert in mathematics you know some parent might not like math nor care about it nor care about biology but that, that is not going to be necessary the student plus the 
program and plus the teachers that we have, they should be able to handle this. And there's going to be, for instance, uh, you'd have four lectures uh, and then a, uh, a summary at the end and uh, a requirement to write down what they believe they have learned and to review this also. It is, it is a rather precise uh, program, uh, it, and it's going to be broad-based, whether it's writing and reading, but actually even trying to get people to be more confident and do public speaking with, with the, uh, the use of videos and posting these videos and uh, have, them, uh, have the students become more comfortable. But to tell you the truth, that's the one thing that impressed me about public, uh, about uh, homeschooling over the years uh, when I first became very much aware of it in the campaigning efforts, that homeschooling kids always were superior to some of these public school children in the way they presented themselves. So it's yeah. not like I'm inventing yeah. this idea. I think mm -hmm. you who have been involved so long have done a very good job to dispel this myth, you know, that, that they would be uh, antisocial, you know, but right. exactly yeah. the opposite has occurred. So yeah. I want to I continue that and do a better job if possible. Oh, well, we appreciate that, and, and uh, you know, that is true that uh, our kids don't have some of the baggage. In fact, we have to tell them when we go on outings, Dr. Paul, please don't ask so many questions. <laughs> because, uh, they, they haven't been, you know, peer pressured into thinking that their questions are really dumb. And then I, I course, uh, Professor Wilson happens to be my, re my brother-in-law who is retired from teaching, and I course excellent teachers, uh, like he was American History Teacher of the Year several years in a row in West Virginia. So I course, you know, these fabulous teachers to um, teach, which I don't need to do you know, very, uh, you know, a lot of persuasion because he just absolutely loves history and teaching children. So, uh, you know, we've, we've formed a couple of these kind of classes uh, similar to what you're talking about with video and so forth for, um, you know, on the Internet for students. So, you know, that's that's great. And, uh, again, for those of you who are just tuning in, it's lonpaulcurriculum.com. You'll want to go over and take a look at, at his website. And also we're discussing his book today, The School Revolution, A New Answer for a Broken Education System. You know, Dr. Paul, my question has to do uh, with, you know, the self-motivation. My children are self-motivated in their high school years and, you know, as you recommend in your book. Um, they they basically do teach themselves. We have some video instruction as well as some assignments that I give them. And, um, you know, in your book, you, one of the things you talked about was uh, starting with a fifth grader. So in my opinion, it's a little bit young, but, it, you know, why did you decide on that age? Did you have some statistics that you were looking at or were you just encouraging parents that fifth grade is a good place to start with that, you know, self-motivation? Yeah, and I also don't want that to sound overly rigid. You know, that has to be, uh, you know, optional. And it's it's an unrigid date. It just was an assumption on my part that maybe at that age might be the best time. But quite frankly, there are going to be some a little bit earlier and some a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I mentioned, the book uh, one size not fit does not fit all. You know, it's going right. to it's going to. And that's the wonderful thing about about homeschooling. Uh, they can go quicker or slower. And if they're not ready to do it on 
on their own, uh, then, then then they have to be postponed. But that's where uh, parental guidance is going to have to you know come in uh, because it is it is going to vary. Now you you did your good job and did homeschooling, but uh, you know and we talked about that twenty percent. Uh, and making some of these decisions because of my schedule and our inclinations, and also because maybe our school district wasn't as bad as some of them exist now. You know, our kids did go to to uh, public school, but no, I don't think uh, I don't think I would say if somebody said no, it should be another year, or some people might be a year earlier. We certainly ought to be open to that decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then also your curriculum uh, when it is fully available is. Um, free to kindergarten through fifth grade is that correct yeah that is that is correct that's uh to get and get them in and getting to know about it but then when uh the uh, other programs become available and there's there's more options and more videos and there will be a charge mm-hmm. as i understand it the kindergarten and third grade are available now and the whole thing hopefully will be ready in late 2015 is that still the timeline on that yeah, it is, and even though there's a lot available now for those first uh, five grades, uh, it's going to keep getting better all along. Uh, right. You know, Gary yeah. Gary North and Tom Woods uh, are doing a lot of this work for me, and uh, they're uh, they're very pleased with what it comes. But you know, to quite frankly. It's a lot more work than I ever imagined to uh, to put all this together and to manage the you know the different teachers involved. Uh, so uh, it's it's something, but we haven't overpromised, and we also one promise that we'll live up to is anybody's unhappy they get their money back. So uh, and, and we haven't had much much of that, very little. That's usually a pretty good indication if, if we're on the right track. But but uh, we. We just I'm I'm convinced that this is an important issue and as as you can sense from my book and matter of fact I even mentioned in my farewell speech about the significance for the future, uh, you know, is going to come from homeschooling. Uh and, you know, since I've emphasized uh, you know, the rule of law and our histories and the constitution, uh that I found out that the homeschoolers knew a lot more about that issue than than the others did. So this is this is one reason why I've emphasized this and put and place it as a very important uh, vehicle for you know really uh, preserving our republic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so and this is where I become optimistic. I, I of course spend a lot of times with college students, and of course uh, uh, this doesn't apply to them, but to get students started early, you know, and and to yeah. be caring about, uh, you know, our country and what liberty really means. That's why there's an emphasis on this this whole idea that uh, people know the difference between liberty and coercion on a voluntary society versus an authoritarian society and be able to define it and where those rights come from uh, and then be able to be confident enough where they can defend them. I, I keep complaining in my speeches, I said, you know, isn't it amazing that we have a system that we believe in? I'm talking to friends now. We believe in this. It's morally based. It's a rule of law. It's good tradition. It causes prosperity and more peace. I'm just convinced of all those things. But we as conservatives and many libertarians, we just haven't been doing a very good job. (laughs) You know, if, if if we have such a great system why aren't we uh winning this argument i think we're starting to and i 
think one of the answers to that is that when a country is very wealthy, they don't care too much about the principles and they consume the wealth. But now, now we've about yeah. consumed all our wealth, so we better look at how wealth is produced. And I think that's uh, the that's the direction that we are going. And uh, in that sense, I'm uh, optimistic about some of the trends. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And as you know, Dr. Paul, and you alluded to it, homeschoolers are strong. They're organized um, in American politics, and homeschoolers have been instrumental um, behind certain things within, uh, you know, the federal government. I know I've gotten alerts to call a specific number, call my senator about something that's going on. You know, for example, one of the UN treaties or or something like that. You know, on the rights of the child. So. You know, it's, it's especially when it comes to the hearts and minds of our kids, we are on top of things. And, um, you know, programs like this, this entire uh, homeschool radio network, as well as others, uh, you know, HSLDA, as well as others that are uh, very interested in rights of homeschooling. But there are some things that are coming along that really have a lot of uh, homeschoolers buzzing, and that is, you know, anything that smacks of values clarification and now the newest common core and, um, you know, homeschoolers are up in arms about that, and that is one of the questions uh, when we started putting out uh, notice that you were going to be coming on the show, that people wanted to know how your curriculum was going to line up, um, if it was going to be aligned with Common Core, the mandates, or um, are you joining the fight against it? You know, because it seems like, you know, it's an uphill battle. We don't really, we can't do anything, especially if it's going to be required um, when the kids yeah. take the standardized test and things like that for college entrance. Well, my position on Common Core is we uh, should not have to pay any attention to it whatsoever. I think that is the source of our problems. You know, whether it's national control or international control, and this Common Core thing is is international, and this type of testing that goes on. We want to train young people to be able to know how to take tests and get in college, but I think Common Core is the absolutely the wrong approach. Uh, you know, to the whole issue. And uh, I I don't want them telling us what to do. And uh, this is, of course, the the whole whole problem that we've had is that mm -hmm. uh, we're you know we have no prohibitions of our local communities being involved in school, but there is no authority whatsoever for our federal government to be involved at all. And right. uh, and in those cases, you know, you just you wish you could throw Common Core out, but it is a threat. I mean, what's going to happen if uh, they use this as some type of a weapon that if you didn't technically do something that the government's regulating, yeah, say they're the smartest kids in the world and they pass all the tests, but then they come up with something because there's always going to be people wanting to attack homeschooling. They do not like mm -hmm. competition. And right. I think that is a threat. And that's why all homeschoolers should band together and come together and be willing to fight these issues. And uh, we don't all have to agree with our, you know, um, you know, particular curriculum, but we should all agree that uh, the power of the federal government to come down on us or regulate us, uh, I think, is, a, is still there. It yeah. still exists, uh, and we should never, never let our guard down. Oh, you know, as long, as long as as long as our numbers are 3.5% uh, roughly in that neighborhood, uh, I think they're just going to keep an eye on us. But um, once that percentage starts inching up towards 10%, I think there is going to be federal and state limitations and restrictions um, placed on homeschooling. They're going to make it very difficult. 
because they're not going to let go of that power. That's just what yeah, they do. Let me, let me change the subject um, and go back to something we talked about a, a minute ago. Um, and this is concept of self-motivation or self-learning, self-education. Um, excellent uh, concept. It's something that happens naturally in a lot of students, but, you know, I had never seen it advocated as a part of a curriculum. Um, so I'm really intrigued with this, and I wish I had discovered it 30 years ago. I wish you'd written your book 30 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> again, I'm, I'm a nuts and bolts person. Uh, could you give us some specific examples or a, um, a more specific ex explanation as to how your curriculum will, will lead students down this pathway? The pathway specifically to do what? Uh, to develop uh, this oh, just love, of, love of learning and, and self-education. Oh, well... I, I think that is, you know, there's some subjectivity in, in that because uh, loving something and appreciating, I think, is something that is individualized. But people have to feel good about what they're doing. And so often that, yeah. that has never come out. It's, it's, the system we have now destroys creativity and inquisitiveness. But I think an individual, as a, you know, small children, they are naturally self-starters. They want to learn. They're begging and pleading. And just look how uh, we praise a child when a child stands up, you know, and things like that. And they delight in this. And I think one of the greatest satisfactions of, of, of the hum, human race, if they're within bounds of being reasonable, is the sense of satisfaction of producing or being successful or doing something. And I think once they discover that they can do this on their own, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think this is a sense of great satisfaction and great happiness. And that's why, that's why I emphasize this whole thing about self-starters. And, and then they have a greater sense of satisfaction. And, and parents and teachers should be the guide, you know, to this, for this individual to really come up with these answers and feel, feel good about it. And as long as they're feeling good about doing the right thing, the opposite of this is the whole horrible, horrible situation we have around the country where there's not that many uh, old-fashioned husband and wife and raising children, families are broken up, and they're looking for a group that will endorse what they do so they join gangs, and they don't have any money, and then they get into drugs and into sex and all these things. So all the yeah. satisfaction they get is to satisfy the gang mentality. And I think this is exactly the opposite. And I think even for those families that are tough and they are in a broken family still can compensate because you know, homeschoolers now have, can become a family instead of instead of those individuals that might resort to uh, into gangs. So uh, even though we talk about 20%, that does not exclude those individuals who may be led by even a single parent or somebody else into yeah. a system like this that would really find true satisfaction. Right, and I think this is going to be a wonderful resource for parents. Well, we are just about out of time with you, but before I let you go, uh, just two things. One, um, uh, the question came in, are you going to be at some of the uh, curriculum conferences, uh, homeschool conferences moving forward so people uh, can see more um, about what the lessons are and see if the curriculum is a good fit for them? That's yes, the I, I plan to, and one, two, right now there's none on the schedule, but I assume that... Next year, I'll be doing a lot more of that. Okay, so for will. conference planners, 
conference planners who are listening in, because uh, I'm in touch with a lot of state leaders, so uh, listening in, Dr. Paul would like some invitations. Okay, <laughs> I heard it here first. <laughs> uh, the other thing, you, what would you like to leave our listeners with before you run? Well, my main thing is those who are listening now who are homeschoolers, I congratulate them because uh, they've impressed me, although I've always been a strong proponent of it. Uh, over the years, I have become much uh, stronger in uh, in supporting the homeschool movement to the point of writing a book about it and looking to the future of that. So I really put a lot of confidence in the homeschooling movement, those who have already been there and those who will be joining. I think it's one of the strongest movements to help us save our country that I know of. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Dr. Paul, and maybe we can have you back once the site is fully uh Invested with um, you know curriculum in in 2015, uh, God willing that we're all here <laughs> still. Okay. We'll we'll look forward to that. Well, thank you again for joining us and giving us your time. Thank and you. Thank you again for this, your service to all of us. Yeah. Okay, great. So we had uh, Dr. Paul on the line. He is the author of The School Revolution: A New Answer for Our Broken Education System. And, uh, you know, Woody, uh, very good interview um, with Dr. Paul. Do you have any, any thoughts you'd like to share? Well, I, I think he um, touched upon the main points, and um, his book does that as well. I would uh, recommend everybody get a copy of that book and um, read it and go to the websites. And he offers some in the, in the book itself and uh, take a look at, at what he's doing. I personally think, um, you know, I, I retired from public school teaching too soon. I had always thought, back when I was a young man, when I was 55 years old, for example, I um, always thought I would teach till I was about 75 or so. I retired when I was 64. And one of the big reasons that I retired, I made a list of reasons, was the just the coming intrusion of the federal government and the state bureaucracies and how they are tying my hands and making it so difficult to teach mm -hmm. and difficult for students to learn. It's like everybody's, we're all a bunch of cattle, and the uh, the cattle herders are the bureaucrats in state and federal government. And, um, you know, that, that just can't last, and it's why we're declining. So I retired early because of that. I saw it coming, and I did not want to be a part of that ship. I would rather be involved in changing it, changing the direction of that. And I think Ron Paul, um, you know, he's a nationally known person. Uh, he is very skilled at what he does. I think he is an appropriate leader. I'm not saying there are not other leaders out there, but I think it is appropriate for him to be in the leadership and for what he's doing, what he is advocating a lot of it is exactly what I was doing in the last 10 or 12 years of my public school teaching. Um, it is really excellent stuff, and um, I like the way he emphasizes public speaking as well as writing. I did a lot of that. My students always said, we do more writing in this class than we do in English class. And, <laughs> but I, I didn't do enough public speaking. I, I'm glad to see those kinds of things in self-education you know, nurturing uh, students and, and encouraging them to get on that pathway of self-education early, as early as possible. Mm -hmm. I, I think, um, and of course, as we all know, and, was, and we addressed here in this talk, 
homeschoolers already outscore students in public schools in standardized testing. I think his curriculum has the potential to take that to an even greater level. So, yeah, right. And yeah, I think I think it's, I think it's wor at least worth look, giving a lot of time and thought to. Right. Right. I I agree. You know, I think it does put us on the map, uh, so to speak, with somebody who is a nationally recognized figure um, that uh, is a proponent for homeschooling. And, you know, as, as you and I have witnessed, uh, Woody, in the classes that you've taught for homeschoolers, uh, whether it was the history course or the government, um, you know, you and I had talked about the, the age limit or age um appropriateness of the classes and you had geared this. I mean they were pretty high level um, you know, AP yeah. instruction and and um I remember you saying to me um how amazed you were that some of the ages of the children that were participating because we of course left it up to the parents. And, you know, we had kids as young as eight, you know, all the way up to high school seniors. <laughs> and uh some of the younger kids were asking amazing questions. And you were really, um, you know, amazed at, at some of them. You know, you you are very complimentary always anyway about the kids' questions. But even in this show, you know, we take uh, student questions and, uh, you know, it's always amazing um, how their, their thought processes work. And, you know, I think in the homeschool world that you see a lot of that, um, a, a lot different than in the public system because, um, you know, if kids are interrupting every five minutes with a question, it's not going to be, um, you know, appreciated by most teachers. It would have been with you, Woody, but I'm sure not with most. Well, you know, if students are asking questions, then I know they're learning. And that, to me, um, the prime directive as a teacher, my prime directive was a question. Are my students learning? And when their hands were in the air and they were asking questions, um, that was probably the best indicator that yes, they are engaged and they are learning. And a lot of times, you know, some of the quieter kids that that don't want to speak up, nonetheless, um, you look at their expressions, you look at their eyes, uh, you can see their intensity and their engagement. Um, so, with with the class that we had two years ago, I was I was just really amazed at the questions that came in. Um, that was the uh, U.S. history course, and then that continued, of course, last year, and it's continuing this year. Just excellent questions. But, you know, every question is, in fact, an excellent question, and it does it does show, and it's more than it was in the public school, um, the energy that these kids have um, in these homeschool families. They're uh, into self-education. Or, or at least mm -hmm. self-motivation. So, and one of the Hi. things I always did, Dr. Paul touched on this thing. He said, "All, all kids want to learn. Well, all humans want to learn. Um, absolutely, that is true. And if you take his concept of freedom and liberty, and you make it, you set up the instruction so that the student is free to learn. And you you start by giving them all kinds of options. And um, giving them the responsibility of, of choosing what topic they want to study, how they want to study it, how they want to present it uh, for evaluation or, or whatever, that is really what's, what gets them going. And I suspect that we're going to see a lot of that in the Paul curriculum when it comes out. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And I, I think he set it up so that, you know, a parent um, with whatever their religious um, persuasion is, uh, they could add that aspect to the curriculum. So it leaves it a little bit open, um, you know, that it's not a specific denomination. Um, personally, right. I think yeah. that is a good thing because uh, we always add um, what we want to do at home anyway, you know, with our Bible readings and study and so forth. So. Um, it looks like, you know, he really is gearing it for uh, leadership. And, and you know, Woody, I, I smile as I think about this because um, it's exactly, uh, you know, teaching about the Constitution and what this show is all about really does that as well. Um, the whole uh, gist of teaching um, about the Constitution really makes the children um, aware of what is going on um, currently and, you know, just even in current events and listening to the news. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the way uh, the thought of this current issues in the Constitution show uh, started was because my kids were um, arguing over where something was um, in the Constitution, that somebody had said something on the news, <laughs> and I didn't even think they were listening, uh, but they were. Um, and they were arguing over what article was being maligned, according to this person, what this person was saying. And they were saying, well, that's against, you know, article so-and-so. And the other one, you know, uh, argued that fact. And, you know, I started thinking that, you know, it was amazed, amazing to me. I mean, I can't even recount the story correctly. Uh, but it was amazing to me that my kids had such a grasp of the Constitution based upon what they had learned, um, you know, in Woody's classes. But not just that, that he, you know, obviously you, your love of history, um, you know, went uh, far beyond the, the classroom in this case. And the kids really love American history. They love our government and they love the Constitution. And if they understand the Constitution, if we have more kids that understand the Constitution, then we're not going to see a lot of these, um, you know, politicians and elections go. I mean, my daughter right now is saying, you know, she's going to be 18 in the next presidential election. And Annie is very excited, as is Nick, um, to be voting in their first election. And these yeah. are kids who know their Constitution. So you're, you're, you can bet that they're going to be voting for the best candidate that will uphold the Constitution. So, you know, I, I can't think of a better legacy to give our kids, and I know that this only came about because of homeschooling and, um, you know, and, and being able to provide them with the resources, you know, uh, Woody, um, that, that you were able to provide the kids with. So, you know, I really want to thank you for that. Well, and and thank you for giving me, me the opportunity to do that. And you touched on something there that, um, you know, I, I always have a lot of times you you can't know what's behind what you're seeing. But I, I do suspect that an awful lot of people uh, that watch television or watch the news on television, um, they probably don't notice things that, that your students noticed and all the homeschool students notice uh, because they have been homeschooled, they are self-motivated, um, they are engaged in it, they really know and understand now um, as a result of their energy 
um, America's history, its past, our great traditions, our great institutions, what made us a great country, how it works. They understand it. You know, when I'm watching the news, I frequently hear people in the news, either the um, reporter or the journalist or a guest on a show or something like that, they make mistakes. They say things that are not true. They say things that are wrong. And I hear that coming out of the White House, too. Uh, I hear them in speeches that are made even by the president saying things that are just are not true. Um, they don't understand history. Uh, I heard President Obama say that uh, last year that if the Supreme Court would overturn the Affordable Care Act, that would be unprecedented. Well, that's wrong. That's not true. Uh, the S Supreme Court has overturned one more than 150 congressional laws in our history. He doesn't seem to know that. And people listening to him didn't know that either. Many of them probably agreed that that would be unprecedented, even though it was, that, that is totally wrong. But the kinds of students that I've had um, through your program in, the, in these last three years would catch that. They would understand that. And um, they would react um, accordingly um, and skeptically to whoever the speaker was or whatever the topic was. But I, I don't think most Americans uh, just, and you know, and you're seeing more and more uh, uh, public schools and colleges eliminating U.S. history, government, civics, those kinds of things from the curriculums and replacing it with this diverse, diversity, multiculturalism, and and um, the government is our friend type of thing. So I, yeah, I think um, I think um, uh, that uh, Dr. Paul is absolutely correct, and uh, you are absolutely correct when you say that the the hope for America and the resurrection in, in education is needed. Uh, well, the tip of that spear is going to be the homeschool movement. I, I don't see any other way that it can be done, and. I wanted to say, and I'm sure Dr. Paul would have agreed that, um, you know, America has been through some tough times. If you look back through our history, we've had some real tough times, and we have gotten together and, and solved the problems and uh, became the greatest country that the world has ever seen. And uh, we can be that way again, and I think we will. This education thing, I think we're going to fix it. And, um, and I think people are waking up to the problems that do exist, and I think uh, Dr. Paul touched on this. I think uh, I think that conservatives, Republicans, homeschoolers, even liberals who are concerned about the decline of America. I, I was thinking earlier today, as I was thinking about this show, somebody should start a new party and, and call it the Save America Party. And everybody can join. It doesn't matter uh, what your past political affiliations have been. Let's save, let's save this country by... First, saving our educational system, and then by getting government in its proper place, which is limited, and let the people, freedom, uh, responsibility, get out there and get the job done. Rebuild this country. And education is at the heart of that whole thing because, as Lincoln said, America's future sits in this schoolroom today. So that's where it's got to begin. Very good. All right. You were um, planning to uh, talk just a little bit here about um, a, a current event, which is, you know, as we record, it is uh, the time of year when um, uh, 
Christ is mentioned um, in the word Christmas, and there are some attacks um, on using the word Christmas. I know uh, in one of the flyers in a very prominent um, store, they were saying, you know, that Santa was going to be there, and it was something about, you know, some holiday uh, giving, and, you know, it was like, well, what holiday are we celebrating? We can't even say the word, you know, Christmas holiday. So um, did you want to comment on that, Woody, about some of the things yeah, going it's, on Yeah, it started today? again. Um, about this time every year, the atheists come out of their holes and, and begin to attack uh, the word Christmas or Merry Christmas or Christ. Uh, they attack nativity scenes, um, choirs in, in schools, even though the Supreme Court says it's okay. Uh, singing uh, religious songs, you know, carols, uh, Silent Night, Joy to the World, and those kinds of things. So uh, they're out there again this year, as usual. Keep in mind they're a very small uh, uh, percentage of, of America's population. They're down around 7 or 8% or probably even less, if truth be known. But they're out there, and Fox News always takes them on, and um, it's uh, kind of fun to watch that. But it's really... Um, truly, I've, I don't have much of a temper, but I just do become infuriated uh, sometimes when not you know the atheists have the right to do what they do: First Amendment, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of press, whatever. But I, it just really infuriates me when people bow down to them, uh, when people back off, afraid of a lawsuit or something like that, and schools uh, cave in. And uh, remember, there was a uh, Several years ago, about 50 miles from here at a school called Bridgeport High School, they had a picture of Jesus Christ, a very large picture, a photo, a painting of Christ right beside the principal's door. And it stayed there, and they fought the good fight for a long time, but they were finally forced to remove it by the State Department of Education in West Virginia because the ACLU was complaining and threatening lawsuits and all that stuff. So that's what they do. They kind of go around the country. Uh, trying to find examples of religious freedom. Um, they don't want us to have religious freedom. Um, and so they're trying to make us knuckle under. But there are basically three groups uh, that you can listen for, look out for. One of them, obviously, is the ACLU. And remember, that started in 1917. It was formed up by Roger Baldwin, who was the chairman of the Communist Party. Communism is atheistic. The church stands in the way of their agenda. So today, um, they are constantly looking for fights, uh, looking for court victories. They can't win in Congress. They can't win in the state legislatures. But if they get a liberal court, um, they can win a judgment. So the ACLU is busy doing that. Probably the biggest, uh, all of them today, and they emerged about 10 years ago, is what's called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Um, and they probably... I don't know this, but I have no doubt that they work hand-in-hand -hand with the ACLU to find an attempt to discredit and destroy uh, various religious practices um, in the public arena, whether it's uh, on the lawn of the courthouse or in the public schools. And there's a, another group that's coming up called the American Humanist Association. And uh, these three together are being countered by a religious, religion-friendly, let's say, group called the Alliance Alliance for Defending Freedom. Uh, so look them up, the Alliance for Defending Freedom or Alliance Defending Freedom. Look them up, uh, find their website, 
uh, give them your support and uh, be a part of that fight to protect our First Amendment right to um, the freedom to worship as we see fit. And having said that, I'll say to all of you, without fear of recrimination, Merry Christmas. Celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yay and amen. <laughs> I can say that very freely. I'll probably um, hear from the ACLU tomorrow, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's homeschool. Oh, gosh. No, not not with us. Well, listen, Woody, thank you so much for, uh, you know, sharing the platform with me here uh, with Dr. Paul. We um, are really blessed to have the opportunity to interview him and read his book and um, also to to um, carry on, which we will, um, with our well, weekly show. Let me just yeah. say uh, very quickly, um, in uh, when Ron Paul was running for president, um, I, I was the I was still teaching. I was the advisor to the Young Republican Club. This 2008 election, and um, I took them down to Charleston to the nominating convention. About ten of them. We rented a van, and um, we actually shook his hand. Of course, he wouldn't remember us at all. At all, um, but um, based on his speech, I was thinking McCain when I went in, but just because he was a leader, you know, you jump on the bandwagon. But after I heard him speak, I voted for him um, in the West Virginia primary. Uh, he had the right ideas, uh, the Constitution. Uh, that That's really what it, that's, that's what we should be talking about, the Constitution. Are we going to go with it or not? Um, and I think that most Americans will say we're going to go with it and we will start uh, whittling government down in areas where they are doing things that the Constitution prohibits. So Ron Paul and I are have met <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> I remember, and he probably doesn't. Well, and you got to talk to him on the phone. So yeah, yeah it was thr- it was, and I uh, thank you very much, Felice, for setting this up and for the work that you do, and I hope that you will have a lot of success in getting him on the schedule for those various conferences. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure the conference leaders will will be happy to have him join them and and discuss his curriculum. Well, Woody, well, thank you so much, and uh, we will be back again another week. For those of you listening uh, in the archives, be sure um, you know to follow our feed. We are on iTunes as well as just clicking a button and. Uh, there's an RSS feed that you can listen on your computer, or if you want to listen later, then uh, take us on the road and you can download the audio. So we really um, are happy to have you join us weekly. So, Woody, thanks again, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com and for more information about Professor Wilson's classes visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com See you next week